Hey everybody, it is Trags Mike Petralia back with another episode of the Jungle War podcast powered by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official gaming partner and gambling partner of the CLNS Media Network. Back with me, it's been a while since I had this guest on the uh, Jungle War podcast and it is my pleasure to welcome him back. I wish it were under better circumstances regarding <laughs> uh, both uh, local football teams. But he is the one and only Mo Egger. You can catch him afternoons on ESPN 1530 and uh, every once in a while, of course, on 700 WLW. And you also fill in for the one and only Dan Horde. How you doing, Mo? I'm good, Trags. What's up? That's quite the resume. Uh, I guess. I don't know. I, I don't know anybody in my life who's impressed by it. So perhaps you are. And that would be, that uh, would be I, nice. I am. And that comes from the bottom of my heart. All right. <laughs> Troubling times down on the river, the Ohio River. The jungle uh, is not a uh, copacetic place to be. Joe Burrow's calf is still bothering him. He re-aggravated it during a really gut-punching 27-24 loss to the Baltimore Ravens on Sunday, a game that a lot of Bengal fans thought that the Bengals had to have given their situation in the division. And now they have their star quarterback uh, re-injured, question marks abound about his availability uh, near future and going forward this season. First question I have for you, Mo, looking back on it, and we all do this in, in the sports media business, second guess, is there anything you think the Bengals could have done differently that would have prevented all of this from happening yeah perhaps not play him i mean you know everybody sort of either rolled their eyes or shook their head when jamar chase said a few weeks ago i don't want him to play week one but i mean what he was trying to say is if he's not 100 percent, we need him week 12 we we need him in december uh september we can get by and so it's it's easy to do this with the benefit of hindsight and it's obviously very easy to do this seeing joe hobble off the field on sunday but when he did that i couldn't help but wonder where would things be had given the fact that they lost those two games correct where where would things be had they erred on the side of caution to a degree like i'm a big protect the investment guy right Th that's what he is sure. he's the largest single investment the cincinnati bengals have ever made he is the most important person maybe who has ever worked for them so protecting the investment sometimes comes at a short-term risk and the short-term risk might've been you, you give yourself less of a chance to beat Cleveland and Baltimore, but they didn't beat those teams anyway. And so what was gained by having them play nothing. And now you're wondering, should he play on Monday? Will he play on Monday? Is this going to be a thing moving forward? And I, I admit to have not made this connection immediately, but Aaron Rodgers suffered a calf injury back during the spring. And then four plays into his regular season debut with the Jets, he tears his Achilles. Is it fair to say that Joe's going to do that if he keeps playing? Maybe not. Is it natural to wonder, is, is what we saw with Aaron going to be something that happens with Joe? And so I, I'm now to the point where if, if you didn't want to use extreme caution the first two games, I think you have to now. And maybe that comes at the expense of beating the Rams. Maybe that comes at the expense of winning the division, but protecting the investment means you, you go to extreme degrees to make sure that that investment is, is taken care of. I'll go even further back, Mo. When he reported a tweak before the July 27th training camp practice, and he went out there with a sleeve on the calf and it would, and you remember the day it was hot, humid, yeah. it was a 
typical classic Cincinnati summer day on the Ohio River, incredibly humid. I'm, I wonder at that point whether or not the Bengals and Zach Taylor, if they had to do it over again, say to Joe, you're not getting on that practice field. Do the work that you need to do, but you're not going out on that field. And, you know, to me, that's where probably the second guessing would happen. And I should also mention this. The initial injury where he pulled up lane happened on a grass surface. Yeah. Not artificial turf so for those making that point in the nflpa and the nflpa made lots of noise last week of following uh, aaron Rodgers tearing his achilles that injury happened on a grass field my point is an injury like that can happen anywhere anytime but you've got to read the signal so i wonder if the bengals thought going back to that july 27th practice whether or not he should have been on the field yeah. So you can't go back in time, right? What you can nope. do now is, is apply lessons that you learned from how things unfolded then to what they're dealing with right now. Jamar was, said Monday, Mo, live and learn. Yeah. It, live it's, and learn. Jamar is maybe the only person who's making a lot of sense here. Look, I, I <laughs> all I can tell you is what I saw. I saw uh, a, a guy that they have guaranteed well over $200 million to hobbling off the field. And so you have a hard time convincing me that this just goes away. If, if he didn't do anything for five weeks and then played two games and aggravated the injury again, why am I to believe that running him out there and having him practice and prepare and play in games, high intensity games is going to lead to a result where by the middle of the season, this, this is okay. I, I just, to me, there's, there's too much at stake. There's too much risk. And, you know, because Joe was absent, the backup quarterback battle took center stage. And from where I sit, which is obviously not as close to it as you, but from where I sit, I watched Jake Browning and Trevor Simeon engage in this pillow fight to be the backup quarterback. Yes. And oftentimes, naturally, you asked, okay, does it make sense to go get somebody from somewhere else? The Bengals didn't do that. When they didn't do that, the message is we trust the guy who wins this battle, or I guess Will Greer. To, to do what you need a backup quarterback to do, which is to get you through a game, to get you through a, a couple of games. You know, we talk about backup quarterbacks. It, it goes without saying that if something catastrophic happened to Joe, if Jake Browning had to be the starting quarterback for the rest of the season, season's cooked. We get that. But a backup quarterback, we would talk about this with A.J. McCarron all the time. Can you get us through a game? So to me, you showed confidence in Jake Browning by not getting a more experienced backup. And, and maybe it's Will Greer, but you had enough confidence in Will Greer that you brought him in. Right. The message to me there is we trust with the roster we have, with the continuity we have, we trust one of these two guys to get us through a game. So you have a week to prepare a supposedly elite offensive roster and this killer coaching staff that has been together for a while and a mediocre at best opponent on Monday you can't get through a week and eke out a win at home over the Rams with the roster relatively healthy around the quarterback. If you have a week of time to prepare Jake or will to play. And if you shake your head at that, well, then he should have been more proactive at getting a more experienced, more seasoned, better backup quarterback, or your team is not as good as we all think. I, I don't know what it is, but if you're going to balk at the idea that they should just use caution and sit Joe, where were you back during the summer? When so many of us were going, are you sure that you're going to put one of these two guys in the game where Joe has to miss a week or if he goes in the protocol and he, this guy's got to come in at a tight game in the third quarter, 
if you didn't like that conversation, okay, well, that tells me you had confidence in those guys getting you through a week. So here we are. Can Jake Browning or Will Greer get you through a week? With this roster, with this coaching staff, the answer should be yes. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. And the app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and kick off the NFL season. One more time, that's FanDuel.com slash Boston. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 21 and older and present in Massachusetts, hope is here. First online real money wager only, $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com, gamblinghelplinema.org, or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start, gamesensema.com, or call 1-800-GAM-1234. So... Uh, the one thing that concerns me about going up against the Rams is the obvious Aaron Donald. And he can, I mean, obviously he has had Joe Burrow's number. He had his number in Super Bowl 56. Everybody remembers the final offensive play of that game. And I just don't have confidence that you would put Joe Burrow out there and expect him to dodge and dance around which he actually did on that first drive of the second half which is i think what gave a lot of bengal fans the coaching staff trainers like wow he's moving around he can evade some pressure if he absolutely has to i don't have that confidence anymore i don't think anybody does if aaron donald's barreling down on him yeah it's it's not so much getting hit by aaron donald it's running away from him correct right so, A, can he run away from him? B, when he runs away from him, what happens then? Um, I just, I I have a hard time getting myself to a point where, and and maybe maybe there's information we we get during the week that would suggest we change our mind. I'm having a hard time based on what I watched and based on what I know about the importance of Joe Burrow to this franchise. I have a hard time believing it's responsible to have him play. And I'm sure Joe Burrow will tell you guys, I want to play. I'm. It's good enough. I'm fine. I can gut it out. The coach, the coaching staff, the training staff, the organization, they've got to be the adults here and say, look, I get it. We're, we're going to do what's best for you long-term, what's best for our franchise long-term. And by the way, we think we can beat the Rams with one of these backups. Um, I, I hate that we're there, and but I don't, I, I, I don't know how I don't know how you can responsibly suggest that Joe Burrow should play on Sunday. And I, I I've I felt that way on Sunday and I wondered, am I going to feel that way by Tuesday, Wednesday? And I feel even stronger about it today than I did back then. There has to be an adult in the room. I believe the Bengals have those adults, but they have to step forward now. And yeah. Jamar has said all along and he knows him better than anybody else. Joe Burrow is hard headed. 
and he's going to do whatever he has to do to convince them to get on the field. He's lost that, um, you know, ability to do that, that ability to convince them within the organization. I think uh, the organization has to take that away from him and do what's in his best interest, the franchise's best interest. Question is, Will they? Yeah, it's a long-term relationship. Relationships sometimes have difficult conversations. And so, uh, you know, Joe's not going to go anywhere. He's under contract. So uh, I I think Joe is hard-headed. I, I also think he's a mature enough guy to understand, okay, step away, take the emotion out of it. Yes, I'm a competitor. Yes, I want to play. These guys are looking out for me. And I need to be on the field in November. I need to be closer to 100% in December than I am right now. And yeah, this is easier to do if, if they win those first two games, but they didn't, this is, he's too, he's, he's too important. And I mean, can you, and I, I don't love jumping to this place, but can you imagine he plays on Monday and then he's writhing on the ground in pain No, <laughs> and he's made the injury even worse. Right. We've seen something akin to what Aaron Rodgers is going through. Can you imagine how we'd feel then? Can you imagine just the, the 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 collective gasp in that stadium if we saw yeah. something like that and and again you could say well you can get in, injured on any play sure but boy th- th- there's there's just this gigantic like flashing sign he's hurt we know his importance important player hurt doesn't add up to him playing on on Monday so I had this conversation with Paul Daner Jr. during training camp when he, he was. On the sideline, he was, I think, uh, watching practice one day late in camp. And I said to him, I think the Bengals defense is capable of getting this team a 500 record with a backup quarterback. Maybe they have to play, you know, two games over now. Right. But I think they can. They, I thought at the point at that time that they had a good enough defense to win them games with a quarterback who didn't turn the ball over made minimal plays, but kept, you know, managed a game manager. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I believe that right now, given what I've seen from the defense in the first two games, I'm a little concerned about their inability to handle anything on the outside rushing wise. Yeah. I mean, it was alarming the ease with which Baltimore picked up first downs on third, you know, third and five or less Uh, last year's defense. Uh, gets those stops. The defense two years ago gets those stops. It, uh, Paul and I had a similar conversation, and and my thing was, I said to him, I I said I I have a bit of a hot take for you. I think the unit that is most likely to be ranked among the league's elite is the defense because, and it's maybe right. clumsy, clumsy rationale, but my thing has been, over the last two years when the Bengals have lost, usually the main reason is some sort of offensive issue the offensive line or Joe throws a bunch of picks against Pittsburgh or turnovers, right. turnovers or just a bunch of three and outs in, in the Super Bowl, right? Usually when they have lost over the last two years, which hasn't been often, the main reason has been some sort of offensive issue. Rarely have you said, God, uh, Lou Anarumo's defense didn't look prepared or they got, you know, physically beaten up or there were a bunch of missed assignments or a bunch of offensive dudes just made one-on-one plays. Well, the way they've allowed uh, the Browns and and Ravens to carve them up on the ground has been alarming Uh, and the inability to get off the field on third down. And, you know, they they did create, I guess, a couple of turnovers against uh, Cleveland that we didn't see against Baltimore. But that unit that so many of us put our trust in uh, hasn't proven to be very trustworthy. And so, yeah, I've, you know, I, I back during when Joe first got hurt, 
and we didn't know, you know, we're all trying to figure out what's the definition of several. Uh, I said, okay, they have six weeks to get ready uh, for Cleveland. If Joe can't play, you have a very good defense, a lot of weapons on offense and time. Uh, and I kind of defaulted to if, if Joe can't play against the Browns, there's no excuse for not winning that game. If you believe this roster is as good as we all say. And, and I certainly held that belief that this roster was among the NFL's best. And most of that was based on the defense. It's hard to feel the same way now, um, but it is a healthy roster. If you make the decision, if you made the decision on Monday morning, we're going to, let's say it's Jake Browning. We're going to go with Jake Browning. There's a lot of backup quarterbacks that would like to make their first NFL start and go, okay. Uh, the other team's probably not going to score 40. I have uh, two, uh, two high-end, top-of-the-sport of wide receivers to throw to. I have a, a better offensive line. I've got a running game that has kind of clicked. You know, yeah, to me, the, it has. We'll about, get to that. The but... thing about Sunday was he didn't run it enough. Like that's that's a pretty good runway for a guy making his first NFL start. And yeah, you, you gotta you gotta you look over and there's Aaron Donald. You gotta block him. But that's the NFL, man. So uh, to me, you make that decision and you go, we're riding with Jake this week. We have time. We have a roster. We're gonna be at home. It's not a great opponent. Uh, the defense is probably not gonna get burned. Uh, I think you should still feel that way in spite of in spite of of the way that they've uh, struggled, certainly stopping the run uh, and the issues that have presented themselves in the secondary as well the last two weeks. About Joe Mixon, about the running game. He's averaging nearly five yards carry. Yeah. He's been very good. He's run hard. He's caught the ball well. Uh, He's (laughs) you make the argument, uh, you know, aside from T on Sunday, he's been their best offensive player. Mm -hmm. And I, I just think that, you know, if Joe's out of the mix, you're going to probably have to rely on at least slowing the tempo of the game down a little bit, you know, lessen the number of possessions in the game, kind of do, if you have a backup quarterback, kind of do what the Ravens do, and that is shorten the game. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. Joe has looked spry. Um, You know, he hasn't had the big home run, but I mean, He's carried it 13 times each of the last two games. And after both games, especially the Cleveland game with the weather being what it was, you couldn't help but wonder why didn't they give it to him more? Right. Uh, I would, I would like to think even if Joe were to play on Monday, you would go, okay, uh, this is working. Let's. And, and by the way, I, I still feel like because of their threats on the outside, I don't think that all of a sudden teams are going to go, we're going to stack the box against Joe Mixon. Right. The, the conditions for running the football for this team should still be quite favorable, even if Joe Burrow doesn't play. So that to me was, you know, sort of lost amid all the, the stuff about Joe's calf was in, in a competitive game where they were running it well, why didn't they run it more? Um, and again, like I think teams are going to say, they're going to ask Joe Mixon to run. Cool. You know, I hear it all the time. Coaches say, we'll take what the defense is going to give us. If they're giving you, Four and a half yards a pop from Joe Mixon. Take it and take advantage of it. Here, here's the, uh, I'm going to give you the answer and it drives yeah. me nuts when I hear this. And we've had this conversation on the Bengals beat among uh, very highly esteemed colleagues that <laughs> are on the beat with me. They don't do that. Yeah. What do you mean they don't do that? They're one of the most versatile, versatile adaptive 
offenses in football. Well, of course they can do it. And and the answer that I got was, well, they just don't want to run. They they're it's all gun runs and they don't do gun runs and they don't get up under center. Maybe if Burrow does not play, and it certainly kind of feels like to me he's not going to play Monday night, but right. We'll- then maybe Jake Browning is under center more. Maybe they have more traditional runs. But but don't don't coaches in any sport have to adjust to circumstance, opponent, and personnel? Always. I, I mean, yeah, in, in every sport. I watched Miami on on uh, Sunday night against New England, and you know the Patriots did what Bill Belichick defenses do. They said, "All right, Tyreek Hill's not going to destroy us." And Miami said, "Cool, we're going to give the ball to Raheem Mostert." And in this beautifully designed and executed running game, they controlled the football, they controlled the clock, they controlled the game. I, I'm willing to bet with a healthy two attack of Iloa and the two outside threats they have, do the Dolphins want to run the football? Predominantly, no. But okay, we're going to adjust to opponent, circumstance, what's happening in the game, and who we have. And it worked. Why can't they? Do, why can't the Bengals do that? They can. I, I, the answer, Mo, is they, they can. can. I, I just, I refuse to buy in, in any set of circumstances. Well, this is just not what they do. Yeah. <laughs> in in life, you adjust to the things happening around you. And again, it's it's one thing if God, they're not moving the fo- football in the air and Joe's averaging, you know, one point three yards a pop. He looks good. And, you know, I, again, I hear it in this sport all the time. We're going to take what the defenses give us. If you're having a hard time in the air and your quarterback is compromised or if you're playing a backup quarterback and the defense is still going to say, go ahead and run it and go ahead and run it, especially if it's working. And it has the first two weeks. So and, and let me throw this scenario out at you, Mo Egger of ESPN 1530 afternoons, weekdays. Um, if teams assume that the Bengals, are, if Burrow doesn't play, if teams assume, okay, we're just going to put eight or nine in the box and make Jake Browning beat us, then you do have two elite receivers. And then you say, okay, Jake, you want to throw the ball? This is your dream as an NFL quarterback, starting quarterback, to be able to throw to two elite wide receivers. Go at it. And Jamar Chase made it more than clear on Monday. He wants more go balls. He wants more deep balls. Yeah. I, uh, ask any... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ask any quarterback alive. So Jake Browning's been a part of the organization. Now this is, he's going into his third year, right? Yes. So he's been in every offensive meeting. He's been on the practice field every day. He's had reps with the guys he would be throwing to all along. I've heard they like Jake Browning. Well, is that something we just say, or is it something we mean? Because if you like him, you trust him. And is he going to go out there and throw for 500 yards and hang 49 points on the Rams? No, but you trust him. So you ask any quarterback alive, here are the circumstances under which you're going to make your first start. You will have been with this franchise for three years. Uh, You'll have the same offensive system, the same offensive play caller. By the way, you're going to have Joe Burrow there with you, an offensive savant. You're going to have T. Higgins and Jamar Chase and Tyler Boyd to throw to. You're going to have a running game that in the first two games of the season has been competent. 
You're going to be at home. You're going to be playing a Rams team that has played pretty well, but you don't expect to blow you out of the building. Uh, you have a defense on your side that I, I think I could would still say is is a formidable task. Still very good. I, I, the defense is going to be better. And I, you're not I, being thrown to the wolves the night before the game. Is there a more perfect set of circumstances under which a, a guy could make his NFL starting debut? Ask any quarterback alive. Can, can you can can you thrive to the degree that you could help eke out a win at home under these circumstances? Who would say no? It, you you couldn't again. I, I hate that we're doing this and talking about Joe Burrow and yeah, they're zero and two, and that adds an element of pressure uh, to achieving the the outcome that everybody wants. But still, what a what a perfect set of circumstances for a backup quarterback to make their first NFL start. And I think you have to consider that too. Maybe Jake Browning turns into Tom Brady. <laughs> um, the reason then, I bring then, that up. And then we have a quarterback controversy and we're talking about trading Joe to clear cap space. And that'll be fun. And the reason I bring that up is because in 01, the Patriots were the last team to make and win the Super Bowl after an 0 2 start. And what including happened? including a, a loss week two here. Yeah, week one, Corey week Dillon. One, yes, week one. Corey Dillon and the Bengals beat Drew Bledsoe and the Patriots in 01. And do you know what I will never forget about that day? It was the first game of the oh, year. Uh, no, I do, do not know. I was, was with my dad, right? We are at the game. We're leaving. And there are, you know, a handful of Patriots fans, not nearly the number that you would see years later when the Patriots would come. And I said to him, this is September of 01. Yep. And I said to him out loud, at least we're not Patriots fans. Uh, they won the Super Bowl that year. They won three of the next four. They were obviously the preeminent di- dynasty in the NFL for the last uh, 20 years. And uh, I've every every time I've I've seen Belichick and Brady hoist a Lombardi trophy, I've thought about what I said to my dad that day. I mean, look, Jake Browning put up <laughs> great numbers at Washington. Mm-hmm. Great, great numbers. And I don't know, Mo. <laughs> Maybe um, yes, I'm I'm being facetious about all of this for the record for that anybody who wants to, you know, pull a drop out of this. Uh, I'm being facetious. But the point of the, the greater point is teams face adversity. When that team, when Mo Lewis cracked Drew Bledsoe on the sideline, every and they went 0-2, mm-hmm. everybody in New England, and I was there, assumed the season was over. season done 9-11 had just happened it was just a terrible vibe around the whole situation uh and then you know in that particular case it was the greatest quarterback of all time stepping forward but you never know in moments like these if if uh Joe Burrow has to come out of the lineup and miss several weeks to get better to get him to be the Joe Burrow that we've seen over his first three years then so be it and find out something else new and maybe exciting about your team. I would have no problem with that. If I were a Bengal fan following this team. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've heard we have talked and justifiably so about this team being as poised to legitimately compete for a Super Bowl as they ever have been in their history. Is that solely based on Joe Burrow being healthy? Now, again, if, we're still doing I would argue absolutely, but yeah, but is it so or is it hey, they have a really good team around them? I mean, I think part of it is they have a really good team around them, right? It's they're there's not a real huge glaring hole. Well, those things have to apply if you're talking about playing somebody else at quarterback. And and again, like 
you know, if, if we're still doing this in November, okay. Uh, but can <laughs> we just see how the next week plays out and tell Joe, we're going to revisit this next Tuesday, see how you are, and then make a decision about the, the Tennessee game. To avoid that, of course, Mo, not to interrupt you, but mm-hmm. they could put him on IR. Sure, yes. Decision right out of his hands and say, Fine. We we are not screwing around with this. You are going to go on IR for a minimum of whatever number of weeks it's going to be. Get well. See you when you come back. Yeah, and look, the 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 coming weeks compared to the gauntlet Correct. they have in the middle of the season is is pretty forgivable. You know, I'm again protect the investment, man. Yes, <laughs> it's, it's it's a about, simple decision to me, but yeah, it's it's protecting. It's protecting your investment. It's protecting your meal ticket. It's it's just applying common sense here. And I I know there are folks who are gonna who are gonna see this and 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 go well, uh, you know, you got it out there. Injuries happen in football. Let's not be cavemen about this. Let's be smart. I think there are fewer. Fortunately, Mo, I think there are fewer and fewer of those types but, of people. Couldn't agree more. Uh, I I I think. I think somebody needs to be the adult in the room. And again, like I, I could understand why Joe would, would do it kicking and screaming, but, but that's okay. You know, that's, that's fine. I I would expect the competitor to want to be out there, but I would also, as I said before, I I think he is smart and and rational enough to understand they're, they're, they're serving my best interests and my best interests are the team's best interests. All right. What the hell happened Saturday night? Uh, was it 15 straight plays inside the 10? I know it was 17 possession or snaps, 17 yeah. of snaps inside the 10 yard line. And you score one touchdown. Yeah. So two of those were obviously replayed because of penalty, but one touchdown, yep. uh, the, the, the two things that stood out to me, number one, they went into the Pittsburgh game and we wondered, can they answer the bell physically? And the answer was yes. I think the the offensive line, and specifically in the first half of that game, with one returning starter, really made you feel good. Uh, not so much certainly inside the uh, in, in the red zone on Saturday. And I, it was interesting to me. Tony Pike and I talked about this. I feel like every team in football, college and pro football, has mm-hmm. the end zone fade to the point of annoyance, right? Because oftentimes it feels like eh, let's just see it, and you oftentimes don't have a receiver who can go get it. I think UC has a guy who can go get it. Xavier yeah. Henderson was was dominant, and then they get inside the 10, and they refuse to even try it. Can You couldn't throw him a jump ball. You couldn't just see if he could win a one-on-one matchup. Um, you couldn't throw a quick hitch to a receiver, get him one-on-one in space, and see if he can make right. a guy miss and dive to the goal line. That was really interesting to me and and really – really frustrating but you know first of all credit to Miami I, I yeah. you know I, Miami I think on the first play of the game they hit the long touchdown and then the Bearcats from that point forward said well we we can't send pressure we, we're not going to get beat over the top again and so Brett Gabbard had time to throw and he had lanes with which he could run right. and that helped them extend drives and I, I think the way they handled that won the flip took the ball went over the top and it changed how Cincinnati played defense all night long that was a factor but they got the ball inside the 10 a thousand times and came away with one touchdown and it was in the first quarter I never would have thought that would be the case and after thinking against Pitt that god you know what we've seen some creative play calling didn't see that to the degree that we would have liked uh against Miami on Saturday do you think that 
the Bearcats and Scott Satterfeld are ready for Big 12 play? Uh, they might be ready for Big 12 play, but there's a difference between Houston and uh Yep. And and West Virginia and Iowa State and Oklahoma. <laughs> yes. You know, they've been obviously dominant. They haven't played a power five team yet. Um well that team that I watched on Saturday was not, you know, to be to be complete completely honest with you. And and that's not to take anything away from from Chuck Martin's team, but uh no, that, that team that I watched on Saturday that couldn't finish drives, um, it isn't isn't ready for uh what's coming Saturday. Team. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Dylan Gabriel's a guy they've, you know, UC fans have seen before and, and he's obviously been terrific with the Sooners. You know, the good news is this, the, the big 12 schedule makers did him a huge favor, right? No Texas. Um, not sure how good TCU is, but no TCU, no Kansas state, although Kansas state just lost to Missouri, no Texas tech. The schedule still has a lot of Iowa state, uh, Houston, Oklahoma State would be, should be beatable, right? Oklahoma State just lost to South Alabama at home, I think, yep. by 23 points. So, but it's one thing to do that when you're 3-0. and And you go, okay, chances are they're going to lose at home to Oklahoma. Then they have to go to BYU. That's not going to be easy by any stretch. But the back end of the schedule is forgiving. Because they lost to Miami, it's a little it's bit more difficult to do in the absolute gut. Look, my daughter, Janie, went to Miami and mm -hmm. she did not stop with the text messages. Mind you, this is a daughter who goes radio silent with me weeks on end. <laughs> as soon as I see the UC score come across final, when it turned final on Saturday night, I got an endless stream of texts and videos and Snapchats and, and Instagram uh, instant messages from her and her boyfriend who met at Miami. And yeah, so I'm look, happy I for that. I, I I know Miami alums who care about that program and and who are at the game and there's a part of me that you know I, I get it like it was a big big deal for them and I, I really I really like Chuck Martin and you know he had sort of warned the fact that he was zero and eight against Cincinnati and I think would be the first to tell you most of the time didn't have a team that physically could could stand toe to toe. That's what I there. thought. That's, that's what I thought most Saturday. I'm like, yeah. well. Emory Jones is going to do his thing yeah. on circles around Miami. And it's just, you know, they did to a degree, as you said, they put up a lot of yards. They put up what, 450 yards, something like yeah. that. Yeah. And, but they couldn't close the deal. Couldn't get it done in the red zone. No. And they, they get a great special teams play on, uh, on Cincinnati's game winning field goal attempt after Cincinnati, you know, runs a fake punt in a situation where you wouldn't expect them to. And, Fourth and give, 17, right? Something like yeah, that. fourth and really long. But give Miami credit uh, to, to win that game for the first time since 05 and to win in Nippert Stadium for the first time since 02. That's a huge deal for, for a program that, uh, you know, many preseason publications picked them and OU to win that half of the MAC. I certainly hope that they do. But let's be honest, at home, 14-point favorites, you're in the Big 12. Cincinnati is supposed to win that game and should have won that game uh, if not for the just uh, complete lack of productivity, not just in the red zone, but inside the eight. I think most of those plays that we talked about being inside the 10 were inside the eight. And I just, for the life of me, don't understand why they, why they weren't a little bit more aggressive uh, throwing the football uh, when, you know, the big takeaway the first two games for me offensively was Cincinnati's wide receivers who've come right. from all these different places. They got some dudes let, let one of them win in the in the end zone, and and that that didn't happen. Rough week for Dan Horde. 
My heart goes out. <laughs> the voice of both teams yes. and the losses. That's well, a rough one. But Dan, being the true pro he is, I was watching him interview Charlie Jones after the game, after Charlie Jones's first NFL touchdown, and he showed such compassion when Charlie Jones, when when Dan asked Charlie, "You did get the football, right?" And he's like, "No." I gave it to the referee and never saw the end of it. He said, oh, boy, that's well, a rough way to go, Charlie. We, we joked yesterday afraid. that the, 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 the flag that was picked up ruined Dan's call. Because oh, as, as, the play is, as the play is unfolding, you're like, all right, it's going to be called back. So Dan's got like this disappointment in his voice, like, <laughs> yeah, great run, but it's going to be called back. And so, you know, it ruined the call. And it was like, the, the you know, one of the few highlights they had. So it, it ruined the call. But. Yeah, rough weekend for Dan, rough weekend for, unless you went to Miami or root for the Red Hawks, a, a rough weekend for Southwest Ohio Cincinnati sports fans. Indeed. What you working on this week? All Joe Burrow all the time, Mo? 15? Uh, I, we're we're going to uh, get on every potential orthopedist and, and calf <laughs> expert we we can. I, I think all of that takes a, a backseat. And, and, you know, the Fox big noon kickoff is coming. And yes. by the way, the, you know, the, yes. the, the Reds are in a pennant or wildcard race. So. <laughs> You know, it's it's always fun when you have to balance a lot of stuff. That's a good problem to have, Mo, as we like to yeah. say. Yeah, yeah, no question. No question. But... All right, he is Mo Egger of ESPN 1530 weekdays. You can hear him uh, all the time. It's two, excuse me, two to six? <laughs> Three to six. Three to six. Can you imagine <laughs> four hours of that? Oh, my God. Three hours is too many. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm all screwed up. It's been a week. Uh, let me hear you. It's been a week, Mo. Uh, anyway, he is Mo Egger. I want to thank him very much uh, for joining me. He talks everything Cincinnati sports and beyond uh, weekdays, three to six on ESPN 1530. Mo, thank you very much for joining me. Tracks, thanks for having me, man. Let's do it again. All right, we will. He's Mo Egger. I'm Mike Petralia. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Jungle War podcast, powered by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official online wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Until next week, keep that jungle roaring.